What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, uh, you know, there's hammering going on outside my house. I got two weird cats staring at me. Let's do a freaking show. All right, just to explain, if you hear that background hammering, and you will now that I brought it up, but I really wanted to record a show today, and we are all up in the top 60 albums of 1991, so we got to keep going. And much like the last two entries, I've got an interesting mix for you here today, so let's get going. Coming in at number 40 for the top 60 albums of 1991 is a band that had entered into their second decade as a band at this point. On March 26th of 1991, Metal Church released their fourth studio LP, called The Human Factor. It was produced by Mark Dodson, who is definitely someone I respect. He's a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to uh, his history and being involved in record production. He can do it all. He's a producer, engineer, mixer, arranger, and I feel like that gives you the best overall ear when it comes to applying that trade. I remember seeing his name pop up on all of my Anthrax releases at one point, you know, as the producer on those. So that's kind of where I became to know his name and see it a lot. So, you know, he's credited, I know for sure, as working on, you know, Attack of the Killer Bees. And if you want to look up his resume, you will get a spoiler for other albums that you will hear on this countdown. So Mark Dodson had a great year in 1991. But getting back to Metal Church and The Human Factor, this is another one of those albums I did not own when it came out. My only memory of it was seeing Date with Poverty on Headbangers Ball, which is something I will probably say a lot on this countdown. I've already said a few times already. But yeah, I remember Date with Poverty. And of course, at the time, their guitar player, John Marshall, within about a year would garner even more notoriety because he would become the touring rhythm guitar player for Metallica temporarily during their stadium tour with Guns N' Roses because he was uh, their guitar tech. So that also kind of opened up with this weird, like, hey, these guys have to take guitar tech jobs still, so maybe it's not all fame and fortune, right? Anyway, but Day With Poverty aside, I was actually going to play that on this particular episode to spotlight the record since I had a lot of familiarity with it, but the song that follows that on that record, I, I like even more, you know, on my initial listen, so I got to include it here. So here's a great one right here. Good opener for the show. Kicking off the show here with Metal Church, but with the final word. <laughs> Thank you. 
kicking off the show here today and kicking off the top 40 of the best albums of 1991. That was Metal Church with the final word from their album, The Human Factor. You know, I've never been the biggest fan of Mike House's singing voice. Nothing really wrong with it. It just doesn't resonate with me so much. But I gotta say, that's the best sounding album for my money with his voice on there. And the band, of course, is just on fire. So go check it out. If you're a heavy metal guy, that's a record you definitely want to check out. Dig a little bit into the Metal Church catalog. There's some gems in there for sure. For sure. All right, coming at number 39, going back into the hip-hop world and uh, with a massive, massive album in the genre. And you don't really hear about this one a lot. I mean, you know, over time, I know you've probably heard about the bigger albums from superstar acts of the genre because some of them are just so undeniable. You know, like The Chronic or Raisin Hell or something like that. But it's, it's these slightly deeper albums, and that's weird to say because if you're in with that genre, this is a layup. And But to some, this may be the first time maybe you're hearing something by it. So it definitely belongs on a list like this. And man, this thing's a scorcher. Once again, full-length albums peaked in 1991 for the hip-hop genre no further proof than with an album like step in the arena the second album by gang star so if you're looking them up that's two words and two r's uh, man they really and their first album's good but step in the arena is their best album some people some journalists have even called it the greatest hip-hop album of all time i wouldn't go that far but it is a solid solid freaking record so let's just get into it right here by the way i should say Released right at the top of the year on January 15th, 1991. Co-produced by DJ Premier and Guru. But from this album, check it out. This is Gangstar with Check the Technique. And you should. So I knew you didn't know the gang has been watching you, but instead of just squashing you, I'm scooping you up out of the muck you wallowing like a chief chemist. Other scientists are following, planning to examine you on a petri dish, sticking you and fricking you just a teeny bit. I'm clever with science, but never relying on false words from cowards who forever be trying, insisting they come off. I let them get some off, then come back with drum tracks their ears could get numb off. Blockbusting, like making love, I'll never stop thrusting into your system. So just listen, I'm like a neurosurgeon Operating with a pure aversion I write prescriptions of words that fit in The dope gets prescribed as I can get live Cause it's more than a style, it's conceptual genius My effect on the scene is to project that I mean this You deadbeat, wait until you see my next feat I get respect for the rep when I speak Check the technique I'm rushing you like a defensive end As I recommend that you comprehend I could stop you in a battle, contest, or war What will occur will be the portraiture Of your immature, insecure, for sure Meek, weak, visions of grandeur To really awaken you, I then will be breaking you Taxing without action, extracting and snaking you Making you succumb to the drums of gangsta By far we are truly gifted ones, son But if you were to speculate or estimate us losing You'll be dying, trying to face the fate of your delusions Cause miscalculation is all your statements So I'm chumping, punting punks just like footballs Cause I'm gonna put y'all back in the mess hall To clean up the slop and stop all the bull crap Your rap's crazy whack, so don't try to pull that You're lacking the vernacular I'm slapping you and capping you and closing your jaw Cause you can't mess with gangsta The guru and premier always dope with the blessed beats Dance your ass off, hops, check the technique Check, check the, the, the technique Check the technique Check the technique Check the technique 
yard, sayonara, I'll read my jerks you. Your ass can busted due to mustard. You try to work me, you irk me. Because you copy and falsify. And I don't care how many step up, cause you all could try to wish and fish for a style. Here's a fishing rod. These rods are hitting hard constantly. I'm getting large. Inevitably, I readily kick a spree. I've lyrics so deep, so don't sleep, but just keep me. Putting methods on records, expanding per each millisecond. 33 RPMs displays the art of men. And as my rhyming builds, you see my time is chill. And then I look upon weak ones. I'm teaching each one so they become redone. Essays are relayed to twist you up like French braids or tighter like corn braids. Cause I got a strong rage. Force like police rage to never be delayed. I once was the least paid, but I made the grade. Cause this ain't a slave sale and I ain't the same scale rapper. No, I'm not a phony microphonist with no glasser. No type of real appeal or real talent. And it makes me violent, man. To see all of these PBB MC wannabes making cheese cause some dumb companies. Have lots of money, but no idea of what is black and what is dope. So check out what the guru wrote. Cause I will prevail, give you tales as I unveil. Hell in a brain cell, so I can stay paid well. Now I'm in the driver's seat, and rocking the lava beats. Bouncing and booming, and blasting you to the next seat. She can you meet with lots of tick like a fleet check the tech. <laughs> That one definitely goes on my workout and or motivational playlist and as are most songs from that record. But that was Check the Technique by Gangstar from their album, Enter in the Arena. Man, that's great stuff. I think so. Let me know what you think out there. Moving on to number 38 and something completely different, but we're sticking with the East Coast side of things in America. Uh, but yeah, as a surprise to me, this album did really well in my ranking, really good to my ears. An album I never gave a chance to. I didn't even realize at the time because I didn't think I was turning my back on, you know, some of the popular bands of my youth in favor of, you know, more edgier things. But I kind of did that even though I never really owned the albums I did in retrospect uh, for White Lion. On the surface, White Lion may come off as a little soft and everything, but if you dig deep on that band, they got some killer material. And their fourth album, Main Attraction, which I see here came out on April 2nd of 1991, produced by Richie Zito, who I'm not a big fan of Richie Zito as a producer. I think a lot of his albums sound really lean, but I gotta say, I think this might be his best overall sounding album he's ever produced. Like this one and Native Tongue by Poison, which uh, interestingly enough, also the fourth effort from Poison. But these albums sound excellent, and Richie Zito has always had a thin production sound for my money. Obviously, some of it was of the time, but man, like I really like what he did with White Lion here on Main Attraction, and the band brought it. And uh, on this Main Attraction album, it's not so much of a stretch to say, almost kind of like what Extreme did, you know, as a, as a band that, you know, had a decent amount of credibility musically. And they did, you know, in certain circles. Vito Brada was considered like definitely one of the upper echelon guitar players and almost kind of has a cult following now at this point. But, you know, for this fourth album and, you know, an album that kicked off the 90s for them, I, obviously they wanted to experiment a little bit. They did not turn their back on their overall sound. As you could see, you know, the singles that came off of this, Love Don't Come Easy, I remember that coming out. And they did a remake of Broken Heart, which was like their first big single ever. And I remember seeing those videos on the ball, you know, not heavy rotation. But, you know, and because of that, I guess I figured, well, they weren't changing too much. 
you know, and so I didn't really give them a shot. But man, you pick up this album and you go deep right off the bat. They're going to tell you, hey, we're doing something a little different. You know, we want to do a little bit heavier rock and stuff like that. And, you know, like I even said, oh, an eight minute kickoff. That's very Achilles last stand. And I was reading up on this and apparently that's what they were going for. So I got to include the opener here as a massive like piece of enticement. I feel like that you're going to want to check out this album upon hearing this track. I feel like most people will. So here you go. Give a shot to this long misunderstood band and this often ignored album. And thank you, Pete LaRusa, for kind of re-shining the spotlight on it for me. But here you go. Main attraction, White Lion. This is the kickoff track. This is Lights and Thunder. Enjoy.
All right, coming in at number 38 right there was the Main Attraction album. And then, yeah, because it is White Lion, it's spelled M-A-N-E, spells Main. <laughs> There's my cool Keith deep cut for the day. Okay, but yes, White Lion, Main Attraction album. That was Lights and Thunder. Go check out that record. I almost put in War Song, which is like another epic of the album. Like right in the middle of it, they do another seven-minute song. That was an eight-minute song you just heard. And then they followed up War Song with another seven-minute song. So it's interesting, this record, but I do recommend it. You should definitely check it out. There's equal amounts of catchy, you know, pop metal mixed in with some progressive stuff. Like that, the solo section of that song right there almost kind of bordered on Fate's Warning territory like we got into earlier on the countdown. But let's move over to something completely different coming in at number 37. This band's debut album. I am a fan of this band. But I don't think their debut album was super strong. It had its moments, and it showed flashes of brilliance. Just they hadn't gotten there yet. Uh, But Blur put out their debut album called Leisure on August 26th of 1991. Produced by the band, Stephen Street, Steve Power, Steve Lavelle, all guys named Steve. There you go. Covers and Fire are like that. And Mike Thorne, the odd man out. But... (laughs) Uh, but yeah, you know, like I said, I like most of Leisure. It did pretty good here on the countdown. And I've had a little bit longer fan life with this one right here. I've been listening to it on and off for, you know, the last couple of decades. I didn't get in on it initially, but I became a Blur fan. Actually, not so much because of Song 2. Obviously, I was aware of them, and I'd heard some of their other songs, Girls and Boys and stuff like that. But I started to dig deep on them around 99, whenever 13 came out, which I thought was a really great record, really weird record too. Basically their smile, you know, and and they definitely were better than Oasis. That's my opinion. I believe it to be true. But anyway, right here on their debut album, Leisure, uh, there's some cool songs in there like Bang and She's So High and stuff like that. And the band itself apparently doesn't really like this album all that much, but you know, I think a lot of those bands, especially the British, you know, snobbier acts, they kind of just posture and be like, oh, we don't like that stuff, you know, just to sound cool, but whatever. Uh, Here's my favorite song on the album right here. Definitely a decent single for them. And if you have a best of of theirs, it's got to be on there. And I remember marking out for its use in the movie The World's End a few years ago. But anyway, here you go. This is Blur with There's No Other Way. i 
write some blah for you right there, as they say. <laughs> some blah with There's No Other Way from Leisure, the number 37 album of 1991 for my money. And coming in at number 36 is a band that I did not expect to uh, show up again so quickly as they did from just a year ago. Talked about this band on the best albums of 1990 countdown. I guess because the album came out so early in 1990 and also overseas it came out even earlier, I believe in 89, their debut album. But for their second album, already coming out here in 1991, and I never heard this album ever. I didn't even know it existed prior to doing this countdown, I will say, full disclosure. But a band that really stuck out for me in 1990, and I really dig them. I'm a bigger fan now than I ever was. A band called Urban Dance Squad, uh, a hybrid band from the Netherlands. Uh, Dutch, uh, I guess they can be both. I'm, I'm really bad about this kind of geography, especially I feel like. But uh, Tino Fella, if you're still listening, OG friend of the show, I know you're aware of Urban Dance Squad, so let me know. Uh, fill in some blanks for me here since I'm not deep diving on the Wikipedia. But yeah, Urban Dance Squad, their second album came out here in 1991. The album is called Life and Perspectives of a Genuine Crossover. That one just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Uh, but yeah, I pretty much enjoyed this album as much as the debut album. So I got to recommend it as a whole. I think it does really well. You know, if you're a fan like me of bands like Fishbone and Infectious Grooves and stuff like that, this band will easily fall into your catalog with ease. So check them out, I implore. So here you go, the number 36 album, the second album by the Urban Dance Squad. And here's my current favorite song off of it. It's called Son of the Culture Clash. Take a time, fire the beat, twist around, tap around, grab the flap around. No, it sounds childish. My wax girl, the glow, still neglected. One is playing the sad, people distracted. Conservative will turn the radio back. And black radio takes a dole, no matter what's better. A big question mark till it's best to go.
obviously, if you're a friend of mine, you know the thing that really pushes that song over the top for me is the fact that they sampled off of Do the Funky Chicken by the great Rufus Thomas. One of the all-time greats right there. But yes, just further proof that they got great taste. There you go. Urban Dance Squad with Son of the Culture Clash. Does any, you know, I just thought, does anybody remember there was a sketch show on Fox that was basically like a, a Latin answer to In Living Color? called Culture Clash. I wonder if they uh, heard that song or ever used it. Or maybe that could have been their theme song. The show was so short-lived that, uh, you know, I don't remember. I just remember the show happening. I don't remember anything about it. Actually, some of those guys were in that stereotypical Spanish gang in Encino Man that almost started shit with Link. So there you go. There's a, there's a fun fact for you. God, there's a lot of weird shit in my brain. But anyway, speaking of weird stuff... We're going to move over to number 35 right here, a band that I featured on the odds and ends of 1991 because they put out an EP and a full-length studio album in the same year because they are easily one of the most prolific bands of all time, the Melvins. And on May 3rd, 1991, they put out their third full-length studio called Bullhead, a watershed album for them. I know, I can, I can almost say off the top of my head, I know it's the number 25 album on the rolling stone greatest grunge albums because that if i'm not mistaken that was the first whatever never mind episode spotlight was on bullhead yes i listen i'm a friend and a fan uh but yeah this album was produced by a guy named jonathan burnside and if you are keeping score at home i know for a fact that Lori black daughter of shirley temple yeah shirley temple black uh plays bass on this album so you know in the spinal tap revolving door of bass players for the melvins Lori Black is the bass player for this particular album. This is the first must-own Melvin's album, in my opinion, if you're a fan. And I still remember the great Logan, longtime friend of the show. I still remember him gifting this album for me on my birthday. So thanks again, Logan. And I'm going to send this one out to you, my friend. So from the album Bullhead, this is Zodiac. Oh! 
right, there you go. That goes well with all the drilling and hammering going on outside my house that I can hear. It's distracting me from doing a, a great show. I'm doing a pretty good show, I think. But yes, that was Melvin's with Zodiac from Bullhead. I shouldn't say the before anything in that in any of those titles, but sometimes I do say the Melvin's, even though it is just Melvin's. There you go. Virtual high five there, Randy Brown. Okay, moving on to number 34 here on the countdown. You ever have one of those bands that you know that you're a bigger fan of than you actually really even realize? Does that make any kind of sense? Like, you have records by the band, but you don't play them a lot. But every time you put them on, you're like, man, that damn good band. Why don't I listen to them more? And then you never listen to them, like, consistently. And then you do the same thing all over again when you wind up listening to them. I'm sure some of you understand what I'm trying to say here. But yes, this is a band that I've always been aware of since their existence. I've always read about them. And then uh, over the years, I pick up the occasional CD or whatever. But, man, every time I give their album a chance all the way through, I'm like, man, this is a damn good band. Even nowadays, like, I've listened to some of their more recent offerings, and, man, still got it. So, yes, big ups to Prong. Great trio from the East Coast area right here. They put out their third record on September 24th of 1991. It's called Prove You Wrong, and they, they, like, they do prove me wrong quite a bit, actually. Uh, produced by Mark Dotson. There's that name again. So you know this one's going to sound great too. And this is one of those we're definitely getting to the point on the countdown where it's like, what song do I play? I was a little over halfway through my initial listen of this record and I'm like, damn, I got to put that song on here. So first instinct is usually always the best way to go when it comes to things like this. So let's just go with it. So from the mighty strong, prove you wrong. This is Prong with Brainwave. <laughs>
You know, I could probably count on one hand bands that really could mix metal, hardcore, and prog. And somehow Prong does that. That's freaking brilliant, if you ask me. But there you go. Prong, and that was Brainwave from the album Proved You Wrong. Go check out some of their stuff if you've never given them a chance. Be like me. <laughs> okay. Album number 33 of the top albums of 1991. And it's this band right here. So 33. This is their third album. They would totally appreciate that. I do too, by the way. And maybe a controversial opinion coming in here, a little shock radio. This is my favorite album by this band, but I'm not a huge fan of the band, so do with that information what you will. Tesla, with their third album, called Psychotic Supper, and I think this really is their best overall album, to my ears at least, coming in hot off of the whole five-man acoustical jam thing, and they really put it all together here with the songs, uh, for the most part. I didn't even really want to buy this album when it came out because I really did not like Edison's Medicine. Uh, musically fine, but the lyrics are so stupid. Uh, but everything else that I would start hearing trickle through from this album, this was like the peak of Z-Rock for me at this point. So they just played the shit out of the singles on Z-Rock. So like the three in the middle there, because there's five singles I found out that were released on this album just because I'm on that Wikipedia headline here. Uh, but yeah, call it what you want, what you give, and song and emotion. Those three singles, huge, really puts the album over the top for me. And the album tracks are damn good as well. So, like I said, my favorite Tesla album. And to me, and here's my other Cobras and Fire reference for the day, Tesla is my ultimate, like, perfectly rated band. Like, I, I think people do tend to overrate them quite a bit by saying that they're underappreciated. But no, they're perfectly rated. They're in exactly the position that they probably should be. And, uh, you know, they've got some cool songs, too. So, yeah, this is I'm going to go with one of the aforementioned singles right here because it's just a damn good song. I kind of hate how much I like the song, Call It What You Want, because the lyrics are so kind of vanilla and innocuous, but there's something about that song that I like, and I think it's super endearing. And every time I hear it, to this day, like if it shows up on Hair Nation that morning and I'm getting ready for the day and I hear it in the shower, like this thing will stay in my damn head. So I'm not going to infect you with Call It What You Want. But I'm going to go with the, you know, rock and ballad right here. And this is just a damn good song. It's a near perfect song right here. So here's Tesla to represent Psychotic Supper with the song, What You Give. Crazy. 
another thing I've always really loved about that song, and I don't know if this is actually the guy singing it, but right there during the peak of the song where it's all heavy and stuff, on the video at least, they had one of the guitar players do that weird, like, it's what you give, baby. And I always loved that. And to me, that always sounded like Bon Scott. So that's a hell of a compliment I could give to whoever threw that little extra background vocal in right there. But there you go, What You Give by Tesla from the Psychotic Supper album. I think I failed to mention that album came out on September 10th of 1991, co-produced by the band Steve Thompson and Michael Barbiero. And if music videos haven't lied to me, then it was recorded in some barn somewhere. Okay, moving on here to album number 32 of the year, 1991, with something, once again, completely different. We're going back over to the European side of things with Susie and the Banshees. And their 10th album that came out on June 10th of 1991, produced by Stephen Haig, an album called Superstition, which, uh, once again, at the time, I never bought it when it came out. Uh, my fandom of Susie and the Banshees came quite later, more so working at a CD store, and you hear records like this more often than you used to before, probably mostly due to people like Logan and stuff like that, but I'm grateful. I was only ever familiar with a handful of the singles that came through that would cross over, for me at least, so... With Susie and the Banshees, I knew Cities and Dust, perfect song. I knew Kiss Them For Me and stuff like that. And that's one of the singles from this album. Uh, so just going into this particular listen, I was like, I know I've heard this album before, but I didn't have a big memory of it. But man, this is a damn good record. Uh, so every time a song would come on, I'm like, that's a good song. That's a good song. So it's just one of those albums, not massively heralded. The second to last album by this band, because they would break up after the rapture. Not the event, the, the album called The Rapture. But yeah, this is a cool record, man. So I got to recommend it, you know, especially if you're into the alternative British-based, you know, college rock in general. But uh, yes, you know. Uh, but yeah, solid stuff. Uh, so here's my standout song from the record. This is Susie and the Banshees with Cry. Thank you. 
All right, cry right there from Susie and the Banshees, led by the great Susie Sue right there. Uh, a band that was born out of the first big punk explosion in the late 70s. So, like, the people that would go see the bands that came out initially, like the Pistols and the Clash and the Damned, of course, uh, you know, they went on to form their own bands later as fans. I mean, Sid Vicious is one of the most famous punk fans ever because he literally would go to all the Sex Pistol shows, then became the bass player in that band. So long before Ripper Owens. No, I'm kidding. Uh, not kidding. But yeah, so that second wave that came out of that whole scene. And by the way, I should mention the Buzzcocks because the Buzzcocks are probably my favorite overall band, song by song, of that first wave. But anyway, getting back to my point. Yeah, some bands like Generation X and Susie and the Banshees uh, are probably two of the biggest alumni of that particular era of like, hey, you know, we were fans and we made our own bands. And I, I love that kind of stuff. So there you go. Sue Catwoman turning into Susie Sue of Susie and the Banshees and later on the Creatures. So if you're a big fan, then dive onto the Creature stuff as well. All right. You know, uh, to podcast flex a little bit here, I got to say, we, it's been an interesting show. And here's the thing. I wouldn't be playing any of these bands if I didn't like them. I don't just play them to play them to prove a point. I don't really have a whole lot to prove other than I'd like to get over just being myself. If I get my own job at SiriusXM, hosting my own channel that I pick all the songs and pick all the shows, which is, of course, the ultimate endgame dream, and I feel like 99% of podcasters, that's yours as well. But if I ever get to that point, I want to get there being myself and not, like, playing shit that I don't like. But also, just to kind of say, hey, me, you know, we've played White Lion, Tesla, Urban Dance Squad, Gangstar, Susie and the Banshees. It's been a fun show. And I like showing off this kind of variety. And I listened to a lot of records leading up to this countdown. But if I didn't like it, it's not making the show. Once again, like I said, if I wanted to be cool, Nevermind and 10 would be on my list. And they didn't make the list because I went the other way. Just to be contrarian and contradictory and all those other terms. They're just not records that I love, like top to bottom, you know. So this list is my taste. So that being said, coming in at number 31... This band's debut album, a really, and speaking of variety, this band does not nearly get uh, enough credit for having the variety that I really dig, uh, especially in their latter albums. I'm actually probably a bigger fan of their third and fourth albums, more so than I am of their first and second. Their first two albums are good, but, you know, we'll get to the other ones eventually, but showing a ton of promise here on their debut, and, and I, I had no idea that they were capable of like, expanding upon this. But even if they hadn't, they'd still be a fucking solid band here. So Saigon Kick, coming in with their debut album that was released just a couple of days before Valentine's Day on February 12th, 1991, produced by the great super rock producer Michael Wagner, and it sounds like it, because it sounds great. Uh, but yeah, once again, Saigon Kick, interesting band. Uh, much like Extreme and a few other bands, their hit is the ballad, and it is kind of unfortunate. As Doug Figer would say, it's an albatross that will buy you a boat and a house. But man, it's if, if only people knew how cool some of these bands actually were, and how interesting musically they are, and not just this one-dimensional band with, you know, long hair and stuff, and, and crazy colored guitars. But yeah, give Saigon Kick a chance if you never have. And go ahead, start in order. Listen to the progression of them, because it's an interesting progression. Uh, but yeah, get yourself going with the first album here. Just got reissued out this year for the 30th. I picked up mine. Great stuff. 
And I think this is a good song to represent uh, what this album offers. So from the debut Saigon Kick album and the number 31 album on the top albums of 1991 Countdown, closing off the show here tonight with Saigon Kick, this is Colors. I can see the future Closing off the show here tonight and closing off part three of our top albums of 1991, the top 60 right here, 
Saigon Kick and their self-titled debut album. That song was called Colors. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed this crazy-ass show here. Tune in for another crazy-ass show because we've got three more episodes to go, counting down the best albums of 1991, according to me, myself, and I, Joey. So join me, won't you? Until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, our new kittens Ruby and Ripley get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock with Joey and the great Mark Streakel of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.